Hey everybody, this is Brother Boggs. You're listening to part two of an episode where Brother Boggs, me, this guy, got a chance to talk with Zachary Nubbs Paven. In the first part, we talked about returning the favor with Mike Rowe. And now here in the second part, we're going to go into more details about Zach's life and uh, what he hopes to accomplish with the the new buildings and the expansion of the More Heart Than Scars campground or compound or meeting location or, well, you'll have to listen because they talk about all sorts of different things in here. I'm sure you'll love what you hear. Intro. Beastnet is brought to you by James Safety Services. Here we discuss all things fitness, running, rucking, endurance, obstacle course racing, and more. Welcome to the BeastNet. And now we rejoin the show with Brother Boggs interviewing Zachary Nubbs Paben, and they're currently talking about why Zach is not in show business and why you should be happy he is not. Uh, and then, so that's, you know, my dad did stuff at Disney growing up as a kid, and I got to a place where he was a director and you know, I, that's why I went as far away from that as humanly possible, being an outward bound instructor, working with the Hoods in the Woods program and working, doing street ministry stuff and, you know, working with kids that have significant challenges. You know, they used to call it youth at risk, but now they don't want to call it youth at risk. Every time anybody ever, like, names a difficult thing, somebody wants to undo it, you know? I and mean, even I'm saying, you know, dismantle the word disability, you know, but there are some struggles with ability, you know? There are some scars, there are... You know, dealing with addiction is a real thing. Dealing with poverty is a real thing. But we, we kind of want to sanitize it. And the reality is there are some real struggles out there. But I had to go as far away from the Hollywood world as humanly possible. And my dad was right there with me when Mike was there. And when, we were, when I was younger, my dad used to say to me things like, you know, uh, okay, here's a crazy story of like, uh, <laughs> like growing up for me. My my dad he was doing a show out in, in I think he was doing the Rose Bowl or something. He used to do like he did like three Super Bowl halftime shows. He opened Epcot. He, he did a lot of big time shows like you know Super Bowl halftime shows, etc. And uh, big things like Hall of Fames for baseball or whatever. He would do big things that Disney would put on. He would bid for it, come up with an idea for a show, do a live show that was a huge spectacular thing, and and that's and that's what he did. There was a handful of people that did it, and my dad was one of those guys. And I loved Saturday Night Live, and I always wanted to be funny and wanted to be kind of, you know, I was really into that. And so one day my dad's like, hey, I got my trainer. Why don't you come work out with me? I was out in California. I must have been like 13, 13, 14, and I really loved Saturday Night Live. And so he just happened to set it up. And when I got there with the trainer, Martin Short on Saturday Night Live is right there. And I'm like working out besides Martin Short, which is really funny because he's not a very athletic guy. But, you know, he was a really funny comedian guy. My dad sort of manipulated it to make it work for me to have this moment and go like, Hey, 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 you like that? You like starting your life? You like that? You like that? Like, yeah. But you know, <laughs> you know, getting in recovery, the older I got, I would say to my dad, like, dad, if I do starting alive, I'm going to die. I'm going to overdose. Like, Oh, that's ridiculous. Belushi dies. Okay. That was just a thing. Next person, Farley dies. I mean, person after person after person, my dad was like, dad, I don't think I can handle that kind of celebrity or being around that. I and I think I need to do something that's more real and, my mom, uh, I mean, I've always been kind of a spiritual person. My mom wanted me to be Episcopal priest because it would it'd be a job where I could do spiritual stuff. Like, but I don't want to be like locked down Christian guy all the time because I'm, I'm kind of, you know, filthy mouth and ridiculous and 
barely saved. I don't necessarily think I should be a priest. Like, that would be a good job. <laughs> My dad's like, you should be a comedian. I'm like, I- I'm funny at times, but if I have to be funny, then it all falls flat. I really don't want to have to be funny. And so I would always say to my parents, we have these family meetings. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. What I'm going to do is do an uplifting message, kind of train people in certain areas that they could do more things. I'll happen to be spiritual and I'll happen to be funny. But my real work is connecting with people in a meaningful way. I've been saying that for like 25 years. My dad, like, I got you an open mic, mic night. I'm like, I don't want an open mic night. I got you this meeting. So the past five years, they finally just gave up. My mom's like, okay, you're probably not going to go to seminary and be a priest. My dad's like, all my connections are over anyway. You know, it's, 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 it's done. You know, you're not going to get, you're not going to get a walk on a show. You're not going to get this. You can't be a production person. Or you, you, it's not going to happen. I'm like, okay. And, uh, and then the show happened. And my dad's like, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it happened. I'm like, yeah, it happened because I got caught doing the right thing instead of pretending to be somebody. And, and I, that was really important to me in my recovery and my journey when I was younger was to try to like to, to, to be in the real. My first job was a hovercraft pilot at Walt Disney World as a baby dragon. My dad made a show called Magical Rainbows where, where if gumdrops hit the water, they turn into baby dragons. And so the Epcot Lagoon, are you familiar with the Epcot Lagoon? It's a big like lake in the center of Epcot at Disney World. Yeah, I've seen it. I was there a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. Well, my dad made one of his shows. It was called Magical Rainbows, where gumdrops landed in the lagoon and turned into dragons. <laughs> there was a fight between sailors and dragons in the middle of the park. That was my first job. I wore green tights. I had seaweed hair. And I flew a small hovercraft around with a dragon fin on it. <laughs> that is a difficult way to have reality. You know? <laughs> and I've told the story before, but like I was drinking then, uh, you know, because of my accident, you know, I was having a hard time. So I showed up hungover to work one day and I, I think probably still drunk. And I'm coming out through the back on the stuff, you know, floats on a pillow of air, goes between 20 and 50 miles an hour. It's a spectacular piece of machinery. And I slam into one of their firework barges and rip the front of the thing off. It's, each one of these hovercrafts at the time was like $50,000 or something. And I run into a million dollar firework barge that has lasers and fireworks. And also they would set out the thing and I smash the front end of the thing and I get up and, and the show director guy that went, whatever, not the overall director, but the person in charge of making sure the show happened, right? The showrunner sees me and screams at me as he should, because I was being an idiot and wrecked the boat, wrecked the hovercraft. As I took off my mask, my dragon mask thing, and he saw who he was, he went from screaming at me to apologizing to signaling to get me a new boat because my dad was running the show. And at that moment, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to die if I stick around this. There's no way I'm going to survive um, being around people that give you too much because they think you might have access to being that shiny thing on the TV or that shiny thing on on the show. And so I went as far away from it as I possibly could. Does that make sense? It does. And, and honestly, I think it's working out pretty good for you. It, it only took 50 years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm sitting in this building, like, still on a shoestring, still on a hope and a prayer, still just thinking of, but I would much rather lean on uh, God's providence than my own quote-unquote talent, whatever that ambiguous thing is 
But having Mike Rowe of anybody in quote unquote show business show up and shake my hand and saying, well done, it was wonderful that it was him because that's the type of person that who, who, I, who I, I wanted to be more like. If I was going to be involved in this and tell these stories and do these things, I, I wanted to get real and become more connected to people in a way that matters. And so my heroes have been the ones who are the ones that wipe people's butts and you know, lift people up and go into the burning buildings and go into the dangerous places. Uh, years ago, I realized one of the, the biggest change in my relationship with my parents, and, and it's gotten so much better. I mean, there was definitely some, some struggle there, but it was a beautiful moment when he was there with me at the end there and us doing this. We, we really tor- turned some corners here and he helped me get this house. And I'm very grateful for that. But uh, years ago, we were at a, a movie together because you know, I was so busy working in, you know, I, you know, I've worked at as a group home parent where I'd live there 24 hours a day with five, six kids living with me. And I'd get like a couple days off a year. You know, I've done that type of work a lot of the times. And I was, we were, we were, I was one of those times I had off and read a movie and we're coming out of the movie and a mall cop is getting just totally harassed by a bunch of gang kids. And this, and this is an overweight mall cop. It looks scared and wasn't sure what the hell to do. I was getting backed into a corner. And I'm with my parents, and my parents are like, you know, they're leaning into the building. They're like, couldn't, they couldn't get further or enough away from it. I don't look like it's to get out of here. And I, I, I turned and I left my parents, and I confronted the kids and scared them off and helped the guy out. And my parents, my dad's like, why did you do that? I'm like, that's what I do. That's, that's who I am. And it was really an interesting moment, you know, to, to see the, the difference in, the, you know, the, the show business, the, the show of a thing. And the, the, the connection to people and that it matters and that we, we matter to one another and that you got, you got to put skin in the game. You know, if, if you believe in something, you got to risk for it. Otherwise, you're just talking. Yep, without risk, there Steve, is no reward. No, there's none. Uh, Stephen Reeves right now is a good friend of ours, one of the knights from More Heart Than Scars. He's he got one of the other shields, the only other shield we have, and it says more faith and fear. And he's going in and... and, and and work with people all the time now. His big old beard and his face mask, his eye patch. I'm like, look, with your eye patch, you got 50 percent of your face covered. <laughs> you know, he's out there and, you know, but he's making a T-shirt right now that has the sign of greater than. You know, it's, you know, doing over talking. I, I love it. I think he's trying to, to launch that. But if I if I can, I'll, I'll find the link and I'll put it up on on the More Hearts and Scars page if people want to find it. I think he's trying to sell a shirt right now and you know, doing over talking and. He's trying to get personal protective gear in New York. You know, he's right at it. It wasn't 9-11, and here he is right at it again. I mean, that's, that, my, that's my hero, Stephen Reed, you know, uh, wheelchair athletes that just keep going and, you know, all the time showing up. Um, so I'm really grateful to, to be at this place and to, to have a, you know, we're a work in progress. I can't wait to show images and little videos uh, of the progress we've been making. But when I went up to uh, go see Joe DeSena, I ended up uh, going through Chicago and uh, Boston, and I ended up uh, going through places where there was corona. And so when I tried to come back to my job, they're like, no way. <laughs> I had to wait like 10 days. And then I ended up getting bronchitis. And they're like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. So I got sick as a dog, and which wasn't good timing. And I had to go get the coronavirus test, and I just got those results back. And so I'm going to email my results in on Monday morning and see when I can get back to work. I work at a school for kids. Yep, it's a, a boarding school. It's a twenty-four hours. Yeah, the the timing on this virus has been horrible. The first week that uh, it really hit Washington, I was at a work event um, that I tried desperately to get out of because I just didn't want to be there for that event. 
And yeah. odd, oddly enough, I got to spend just enough time within the six-foot bubble of somebody who tested positive a couple of days later. So I spent 14 days quarantined because of that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, <laughs> as of Monday, I'll be out of my quarantine. Lord mercy. And that's probably one one of the most boring times because I treated it as such. I didn't go outside. I didn't go shopping. I learned how to right. use all the, the online shopping and stuff. But you know that gave me 14 days of, of sitting here. And it's probably one of the worst things I could do because where I live, I don't have a lot of trail system or a lot of stuff here to, to really get out and do stuff unless I drive somewhere and do yeah. something. So I started reading the Facebook and I started buying into oh. some of the negative. And, and oh. at the end of 14 days, I was just, I couldn't stand what I was seeing anymore. And, and I, like I said, I've been back to work now for uh, just over a week and uh, almost two weeks now. And getting out there and being on the front lines with, with my team members and stuff, showing them that I'm not just hiding behind a, a curtain somewhere. Um, you know, my job is yeah. a, we're an essential service without us. Uh, you know, your police cars and your ambulances don't go down the road. So we kind of have to right. be there. Um, Absolutely. But, be, but that two weeks where I was hiding behind the back lines and stuff is just horrible. Cause I'm a, I'm a lead from the front kind of guy. Um, any chance I get, yeah. I'm out there in front of people trying to, to be at the forefront of whatever I'm doing so that they can see that it is possible, whatever it is. And they can, they can follow in my, my footsteps and, and achieve great successes and to spend two weeks hiding out and, and reading the Facebook. And you know, again, that, did you at least watch the tiger King in, in your time? Did you, did you have, <laughs> did you get to have that fun moment? You know, I didn't, I, uh, I did not get to the tiger King, but I tell you what, uh, I've got about 55 hours into final fantasy 10 because I went back a little bit oh. and, uh, okay. and I've yeah. just been, totally hamming out on that game um waiting for seven to nice. come out next week all um, right all right you, you got in there that's fantastic yeah that's some wonderful stuff anytime you can have swords and crossbows and whatever yeah and oh yeah the, the, the turn-based player cooperative like figure it all out i love that stuff yeah yeah we, we're, we are right. nerding it out big time right now yeah, we got another show for that called Renerdish. <laughs> I love to be the nerd. I'm yes. downloading all these mods for the game, and for the longest time you couldn't have spears in Skyrim. And now I have a spear. I'm like, so I'm talking to my partner. I'm like, and she's like, what are you doing? I said, well, after we're gonna put this walkway in, or we're gonna fence, or put the drain in. You know, we've been working. We try to like do like eight hours a day of like some pretty serious manual labor to you know to work on this. You know, at least that's that's the thing we can contribute right now to get ready for it is is work. But then, like, when I have my downtime, like, we try to like, take a little space from each other. Because we've been stuck together this whole time. And I'm like, right now, I'm a vampirist queen fighting the vampire lord with a silver spear. She's like, you go ahead. You just go right ahead and go cute. <laughs> Here I'm talking about, I want to be real. I'm like, I want to be a vampire vampire slayer. It's <laughs> a silver spear. You got to have an escape sometimes. Oh, that's fantastic. In my real life, I am neither a vampire nor a woman, nor do I have a silver spear, but I do have a Spartan spear. Uh, we had, the other day, we had a, some crazy conflict out where we lived. Like, we lived so far in the country, people, people have been losing their minds a little bit. And this big conflict happened over a car, and people that didn't belong in our area showed up, and there was screaming. This woman was losing her mind. And so 
my my son gave me a a sword. I had like a like a practical katana made out of just random. So, so like I'm out there with the with the Morhearts and Scar shield in the dark with that with my dog in a gown stay and uh, and this little miniature katana, right? Like <laughs> there, there was a grandkid over there, and I'm crouched in the dark. And my partner Lauren comes out. She's got she's got she's got the Spartan spear in her hand, and she moves past me. And she's so quiet. She's such a, she's part Native American, and she really looks and moves like she moves up behind a tree in the shadow, looking to make sure that she's like she's like if we need to grab the grandchild, we'll grab the grandchild. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like LARPing. <laughs> it was like LARPing, but with real sharp things, you know? Like, and part of my brain was I was imagining her sneak skill going up. Like, her sneak skill's going up right now. She's crouching behind the tree. Yep, they can't see oh her. Oh, my gosh. They can't <laughs> see her. <laughs> but uh, I can't wait for uh, this whole thing to settle down and for us to show the progress we've made. And uh, we're, we're filming it as we go along a little bit at a time uh, to make our whole home a place that in the future... Uh, People with you know that are struggling with, with physical struggles, emotional struggles, can find safety in helping each other. Coming to a pretty place that's uh, it's in the woods, using the belly act that we have as our sponsor to go down rivers when it's warm enough, and having the uh, the grit freedom chairs to use, and uh, to have other people that have been through similar things share their stories and connect, and either camp or glamp or being in a tent and break some bread, share some good news, and prepare for the next adventure. You know the the Spartan races are wonderful. Those are that, those are sort of like the baptisms, the mud, and the fire. Those are the outward sacraments of the, the celebrations. They're almost like our masses, you know, like we go to mass. Like it's like that's what that's why I look at the Spartan races. Where, but the day in day out fellowship of the of the small things, the small group is is I think where the work is done, and having a place where people can come and fellowship with each other to get stronger, uh, to go do that work is is you know what matters, and so that's what we've been doing with uh, what we, we've been really fortunate and blessed to receive. Yeah, the minute this is all over, Mike and I, we were planning on getting down there hopefully this summer or next spring because um, this yeah. fall this fall you had booked out, which right. we'll, get back, we'll get back to that probably in another episode if we find out some info on that. But, um, sure. but we want to get down there. We want to get down and actually do a race with you. Um, you know, we're looking at schedules yeah. and stuff and you know, now with with Joey having Atlanta going, that opens up a few more yeah. races for for us to come down. But uh, you know, if nothing else, it's going to just have to be a trip to come down and spend a week fireside. Yeah, well, shooting bows and crossbows. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. Well, I was like, so we we have. I mean, I've been buying bows and arrows along the way, but I was like, with this whole thing coming, I was like, you know, some of my quads. This is the justification. I'm like, you know. So, like, what did you do with the money that you got? Well, we're building an accessible community, blah, 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 and helping people and continue to, which is great. It's wonderful. It's what we've been doing. We're able to do more of it. But I was able to go into a, uh, a bow shop and go, like, you know, some of my quads can't operate a bow. Justin can, but not all of them can. And, well, I think I need a crossbow for the charity. <laughs> so we now have a more heart than scars cross. We have, like, several bows that I've bought on my own money over the years. To, to use for target practice, but now, now we have a crossbow. Just in case it turns into some kind of weird zombie apocalypse, it's important to have a crossbow. So it's for uh, now. This is main office for more on scars. It's for home home office defense and for folks that uh, or my one armed friends that have a harder time with bow. <laughs> <laughs> so 
That's awesome. I can, I can hear you. I can hear you smiling, going, "Yeah, that's a good use of. Uh, <laughs> that's a good use of the month." Lauren's like, "I'm out there trying to dial in the scope." She's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Well, you know, I, I went out to go get some, you know, can, some water things." Because the nice thing is, some of these survival stuff goes in exactly for the things that we do. Like, uh, I got a big, you know, thing of water that we could bring with us because some of our adventures we need more water or we need more headlamps because we end up in the dark. And so I got some things that you know, that we'll use for races. And it also can be useful in time of struggle. And she's like, okay, I see the headlights. That makes sense. Oh, you got some light straws. We need those for races. Let's go. Oh, you got a big water bottle. That's good. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. That all lines up with what you're doing. And she's like, and I see you got a crossbow. I'm like, yeah, that feels like it's necessary. I don't want to leave anybody out when we're doing archery. <laughs> <laughs> so now, you know, if, they, if there's any more like, you know, the interesting thing was when the cops came out and dealt with that and they scared the people off. And I'm like, so what's up? They're like, here's the reality. The reality is the jails, we're, we're not arresting anybody. We should have arrested somebody from this, but we're not arresting anybody right now unless it's like life or death. You yeah, know, the, things are things are weird. Jails up here released one third of their population to create is- more isolation to fight the virus. Yeah, absolutely. We're in a kind of a weird Wild West situation. Um, so, you know, having a Spartan spear and being good with it could be could be could be helpful. Who knows? Um, it's fun watching Joe Senna do these workouts. When I went up to go see him, he had to go do hot yoga with him. Like we're talking, we're having some, some tea, we're talking about stuff. He goes, "Hey, let's go do some yoga." As Courtney's wife comes in, like, "Yeah, let's go do it." So I'm up there, the, the chunky guy that I am, in my kilt with all these like perfectly fit people on the coast of Massachusetts at this really cool yoga place. And the yoga place happened there. The logo was a Viking, and they're like, they're like, the, like, the logo has come alive. It's a big Viking guy with a beard, and I'm and I'm in there uh, doing <laughs> yoga with these people. I'm right next to Joe, and they're filming this thing. I don't know if it's going to come out. He's like doing all these positions perfectly. You know, where he's a little bit older than I am, like a couple months older than I am, and he's like curled up like a like like an iguana in the sun, and you know, spread out doing all these different poses, and I'm like falling over and sweating and snorting and laughing and, and just suffering. Like every time I see that guy, he makes me suffer in one way or the other, and he just was just laughing. And he had the video thing set up. To basically show here's Joe, age fifty and a half. Here's Zach, <laughs> you know, dying. Uh, but you know, Courtney was really sweet to me. He's like, you, you hung in there like a champ. And sometimes they're just doing some big ass moves, and I had to go down like child pose and pray and sweat and cry. Like, oh, this is fun right now. But, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> it, it, it is. You know, it, it is. It's uh. Yeah, the, the, the adventure that we're on now is great, and I really hope that this idea takes across. And so people that are, you know, who've made it this far, however you guys are edit or share, whatever you're going to share, it's one of the things that happens a lot that it is good. The good side of Facebook, because we are a Facebook charity, Micro, is, it's a Facebook show. There is some good stuff out there that is from Facebook, because I first saw Stephen Reed pulling Michael Mills in a wheelchair at a death race and using paracord only, and I looked at that with my background and I was like, I think I could do that a little better. And I ended up meeting those guys and becoming, you know, now lifelong friends with them and figuring out how to do it better. And so sharing positive images, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram, sharing the show, like you're, you're so amazing at, like you, you've done all these birthday fundraisers for us, which is, which is great uh, that we're able to like, I, when I see those things come in, I go, okay, that is how many treated um, two by six is going to get for, you know, the, for the deck. 
you know, <laughs> 200 bucks come in. I'm like, we're going to Lowe's. You know, <laughs> I see that stuff going on. You know, in front of there, we're going to Lowe's and we can, we can make the deck that much longer or we can start putting posts in, like uh, getting that amazing thing we got from the show from the, uh, uh, the whatever you call it, the, the rig. Well, I can't have that rig in a, in a neighborhood without fence around it because the liability was just too much. You have to have a fence up that says no trespassing. If you want to come and do this, you know, get in touch with us. We'd love to have you, but please sign a waiver, go under the insurance, you know, at a time. But I can't have kids in the neighborhood getting hurt on that thing. Um, so I have to put a fence up and, yep. you know, it's figuring out, well, how do I, well, how much fence do I need? Cause I also, we want it to be an open space within that fence so that we can run the, the trails. You know, some people can come out so you can run a roll a trail, use the rig, shoot some arrows, throw a spear, run up the hill or roll up the hill, come back down, you know, so we're, you know, we're making it a full thing. And, and, you know, so every time somebody donates some money, I'm like, okay, I can get many fence posts for it. I can get this many feet of wire. I can get this. And that, that, that's what it's coming down to. So, yes, it helps when people share, like you have, so generously to ask for birthday stuff and people to donate to us. And we appreciate that. And we're putting it into practical use. And we'll, you know, we'll have pictures of everything we're doing with it, including the crossbow. <laughs> you know? um, but then there's uh, the, but the other piece of this is so important is when people show, share the micro, the, the, the show on Facebook, when they share it from the thing itself and comment on there, the way the algorithms work is, the more diverse people from around the country and around the world like something on Facebook, the algorithm is, and for these different pieces, like in social media in general, it's like diverse numbers, diverse people from diverse places with activity. So the more, and then that's how, that's how they know to share it more themselves. So if you've got people from all over the country that are li- liking it, but not just liking it, hitting love or hitting ha-ha and putting a comment in there. If you add a comment and you add a gift to it, like the little, whatever, somebody give them the thumbs up little thing, or even the fonts, give them the thumbs up, welcome to heaven, you know, <laughs> whatever it may be, the more creative or not creative, the more uh, multi-layered depth of liking it, commenting it, comment in the comment, sharing on somebody else's comment and bringing it up, the more the algorithm shines to give more attention to it for it to go bigger. Does that make sense? The the level of engagement that Facebook uses in the algorithm is is what they use to present it to more people without having to sponsor it. Yes, exactly, and that's that, and and when people do that, if you, so you see it, you go, "That was a great episode." Well, write that's a great episode, and returning the favor will respond back to you. I'm trying to go through to every single comment that myself or somebody on my team is thanking the people for their comments or or tagging it back or doing something there. Like every time that level of engagement build this deal that lets people know, Hey, we're a real thing to people to care about. We, we, we care about you. It's not just this. It's not just the one guy in the kill, a whole bunch of people on this. And I love, they showed Erica. I love, they showed Shannon. I wish they showed more of some of our adaptive athletes that were there with us that day uh, and down their stories. And uh, Billy is absolutely incredible. When we started team dubs and stubs together after the Boston bombing. And you know, there's, there's so many amazing people that this, it was, this, is, this is our story. It's collective. It was probably hard for them to choose what to put into that show because, you know, they have a limited amount of time. And just with the people that you had there and and the amount of engagement they had and all the stories that I've heard from from you and from Erica, you know, it had to have been a real tough editing process to figure out what stayed in and what didn't. Oh, yeah. They had so many. They well, they asked us all for some pictures. Erica sent so many things and Justin sent things and Shannon said, Billy, we all have, you know, these different 
pieces they could pull on. So they had, uh, they really had a lot to work with. And it was, I, I was excited to see how they did it because they were able to tell it in such a simple, straightforward way. And I, I very much appreciate that. But I, you know, there's so many other people's story. I mean, I would love for us one day to get enough funding together to really do a documentary and share the story of all the incredible people that we, that we can. I mean, it's, it's obviously it's impossible to tell everybody's story, but if you watch the Tiger King, that documentary, there's a, there's a whole host of characters in there and they're all interesting. Matt Davis is talking about this, like everybody on there is gold. I mean, there's like every character, every side character is like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And so in a more healthy way, <laughs> we have a, a whole group of people that are just pretty spectacular that make this happen. And, it, and it's only going to grow because it's a side to life that is happening. And yet for every person you see out there that may be overwhelmed and just gave up, um, there's a whole group of us that are, are, are fighters that are, are standing up and knocking the dust off and lifting each other up out of the mud and going for it. And that good news needs to be the news because telling you to be, get yourself and be terrified isn't helping anybody. Yep. Letting people know that, yeah, guess what? You might die from this, but you also might die from getting hit by a car. You might get died from a, 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 in an airplane engine falling and hitting you on the head or, you might die in a conflict in your backyard trying to save somebody in a weird, <laughs> who knows what, you know, that could have been it. Or, you know, I mean, there's so many times that I could have died along the way or because your risk, like you're saying, lead from the front, be out in the front. I mean, we're, you know, every day you're going to live except for that one day. You might as well get out there in front of it and not live in fear. Fear and shame and isolation is how the devil wins. And I got a crossbow waiting for him. and hopefully all it's ever going to do is uh be some target practice so that people with different uh missing limbs or different pieces can uh can participate different abilities yeah different abilities that's right it's different abilities together yeah we talked about running a a short episode and i I guess we accomplished that three times the uh length we started with Is there well, is there anything yeah, yeah is there anything that you want to just kind of put out there to to close out the the episode? Yeah, I, I think that uh, more than any, I mean, this works you know either either for the sober guys or the regular thing. I mean, I'm just me wherever I am. I don't I don't know how to compartmentalize it so much. It's the encouragement I have for each person is to be true to who you are. Not everybody is called to do the same thing. But in, in your passions, in the things that you like, in, in your interests, there, there's a purpose and a, and a meaning behind that and a place for you. Everybody's gifts and the things that they're into in the overall picture fit together in a beautiful puzzle that you, whoever you are, whether it's computer programming or whether you're making masks to help people stay safe or you're telling good stories or you're a teacher, whatever it is, whatever your thing you're into, do what you're doing. The final thought that I always think about in this story is, I, I wish I needed to look up and find out who told, told the story, but there was a, a basic idea that uh, they're interviewing people working on a project. And one guy was, uh, I'm an architect, I, I do the design, people gave me a design, I'm drawing it. And then I give that to the guys that uh, you know, order the parts and make it happen. And another guy's like, oh, I, you know, I'm the construction guy, I work on rock or I work on walls. Or I did, I really, they interview all these people and there's one woman we're just sweeping up sawdust. And again, I interviewed her and said, hey, what are you doing? She says, well, I'm building a cathedral for the glory of God. They were all building 
a cathedral, but they forgot the big picture, that even in the smallest of things, like, what are you doing with your life right now? Even in the smallest things can be for a much bigger purpose. Do what you love and love people. What are the obstacles that may come, whether it's on an obstacle course race or just in the obstacles of daily life? And then share that good news. Show, share images of people doing good things. Please, shine your light. That's all I got. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook. Like and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. Yeah.